0: I do believe that software is the key element to scale super, super fast. It's exponential growth. And without a really good system and a really good software, it makes it tough to keep track of everything. And I think, you know, people were able to do this in 10,000 BC. A lot of the stuff, like keep track of inventory. So it's definitely the thing that gives you a competitive advantage that, that I look for if I'm buying a company. I want to know that they learn software and they're used to using it. The following is brought to you by Thrive, the end-to-end client experience platform that helps you get the job, manage the job, and get credit.
1: Welcome to Winning on Main Street. This is Gordon Henry, and today we're speaking with a really special entrepreneur you have to meet, home service millionaire Tommy Mello. Tommy is the owner and operator of A1 Garage Door Service, the host of the Home Service Expert podcast, and the owner, partner, or investor in 14 other businesses, ranging from Christmas lights, to real estate, to mobile apps. In 2007, Tommy became the sole owner and operator of a single Phoenix-based garage door service business, which came with $50,000 in debt. Today, A1 Garage is on pace to generate $75 million in annual revenue, nearly double last year's level, he has 360 employees in 17 states. Tommy has also written a best-selling book on his journey called Home Service Millionaire, How I Went from 50000 in Debt to a $30 million business in seven years. That was a few years ago. When not in the office or working on business, you can find him on a plane headed to exotic destinations or chasing a little white ball, that means he plays golf, around one of Arizona's many golf courses. Welcome, Tommy.
0: Hey, thanks for letting me be here. I'm excited.
1: Yeah. So uh, quite a story, Tommy. Just... Tell us your story. How did you go from fifty thousand dollars in debt one day to a thirty million dollar business seven years later?
0: Um, well, I'm from Michigan originally. I moved out to Phoenix in 1999. Um, parents both were, were were in business. My dad had a transmission shop. My mom was a realtor. So learned a lot about kind of entrepreneurship. I started mowing lawn as a kid and shoveling snow like a normal kid in Michigan does. And then. Got my first job at 12 under the table washing dishes because it was you know, just really a lot of hard work and I learned how to make money, but um, never learn about business. They don't teach you in school about credit cards and about multiples of EBITDA and how to do financing and how to read a balance sheet. And I got a master's degree, but they really didn't teach me how to even do that. I was looking at companies like Home Depot and annual reports and it just not really good, useful stuff. So I got the hard knocks. I got to make a lot of mistakes. In 2006 and seven, I learned about garage doors and I'm absolutely in love with the business. I love home service. You know, there's a beautiful thing when you really learn more. I've got, I always say I got a PhD I'm poor, hungry, and determined, Um, but I learned a lot about garage doors and uh, I learned a lot about home service. I started the podcast about four years ago, had people like Michael Gerber, uh, Ken Goodrich, just a lot of amazing people on the podcast. I learned about how to sell a company. And I really learned on how to build a very, very high value very quickly. And that's what I'm in the process of doing is trying to build this small garage company started in, in Phoenix to a uh, multi-billion dollar company. And that's done through a fancy word called arbitrage that I absolutely am in love with. It's better than dealing drugs or selling diamonds or being a um, astronaut. I can tell you arbitrage is most fascinating thing in the world. And maybe we'll talk about it. But uh, that's my life in a nutshell of where I'm at today is just really trying to build this company into something super special and and bring hopefully thousands of employees with me in the journey.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we're all the way down the road on your concept of arbitrage. Just explain to folks what it is.
0: Well, an arbitrage is basically when you buy something and sell it for more. Uh, So you buy it in one market, like in the back in the 1860s, they had clipper ships. And these Mm. ships would go from New York all the way to San Francisco for the gold rush. And they'd pay a dollar for a pair of shoes and they sell it for six. Um, Anywhere you could arbitrage is basically making money. You buy it somewhere, you sell something for more. So in the home service sense of things, we're worth a multiple of our profit. And they call that EBITDA. And I don't want to go into confusing. But basically, they take your profit margin and you get some ad backs into there, like maybe your daughter's tuition that you threw in there. But... You get the, you get the maybe four times or five times of multiple, and then I buy it because I'm a big company and I'm I'm a platform is what they call it, and I give them all the systems of my business, and now it might be worth twelve or fourteen or sixteen times. So I take that four times business and I can sell it for sixteen times within right. a couple of months. So that's a four right. times multiple. So I took something for some money and four times it. And if you do it a lot of times, the multiple goes higher and higher and higher. And that's why software companies buy up other software companies. I mean, you know, you talked about Wall Street. This is what they do is they try to build. And I don't want to confuse people, but it's fascinating. Yeah. Because it's really how extreme, extreme, extreme wealth is made.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great explanation. So back to you, you figured out how to scale your business. You, I think in some of your writings or talks, you've you've called it a money machine which so many people struggle with, so many entrepreneurs struggle with scaling their business, going from, you know, what I do with my own hands to something that's much larger than just me.
0: How did you make that leap? Well, it started out reading a bunch of books. And then, then I hired some consultants and I found out I was doing the wrong thing. I I thought I was, I got very annoyed with people. I said, why can't you do it like me? Well, you know, why don't you do it? What don't you understand? What, why can't you be more like me? And then it was really frustrating and then i found out you know and the best way to describe it is i didn't have a plan i didn't have a manual i didn't have an org chart i didn't have a standard operating procedure for everything so i had to go back to the drawing board about five or six years ago and you know we were able to build a pretty good business five six seven million dollars and, and but it wouldn't grow past that and it was always firefighting it was always putting out fires and i got to tell you it was the definition of insanity. It was like we make the same mistakes over and over and just not know what to do about it. So we learned to build manuals and and how to really take care of our employees and build a good culture and be better leaders. And I think it's, you know, now if someone finds a mistake, it's not necessarily a bad thing. There's a problem with the process. So we found out there's three reasons why things fail for the most of the time is there's no process, the process isn't being followed correctly, or it's the wrong process. And um, so we just got a lot more organized and and gave people a fair shot. And then we went to performance pay for everything. So believe it or not, I'm on performance pay. If the company doesn't make money, I don't make money. And so it's fair throughout the uh, company now. We don't believe in tenure anymore. It used to be if you were here a long time, you kept get promoted. Now if a person starts and they kick butt, they got just as chance as anybody to move up. So those are some of the quicker lessons. And you, you hear Michael Gerber and all these people talk about process, but it really, really is learning to build a process and train, 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 train and coach, 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 coach.
1: So uh, did you have any special technology or system that you use? You, you, you talk about the process. Did you embed this in some kind of computer system where folks who were just joining could follow this?
0: You know, we've got an LMS and we switched to a that's a learning management system. And so we really try to train as much as possible with videos and, and mm-hmm. curriculum and give people real life scenarios. Uh, we also got an amazing CRM that keeps track of all the stats and we, what we call key performance indicators. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's done through service Titan and HubSpot now. Uh, but I do believe that software is the, the the key element to scale super, super fast. It's exponential growth and without a really good system and a really good software It makes it tough to keep track of everything. And I think, you know, at certain times, the software could also hold you back because you say, well, they haven't built this update yet, so we can't do it. And we talk all the time that, you know, people were able to do this in 10,000 BC, a lot of the stuff, like keep track of inventory. So it could be a pro and a con, but definitely software is definitely the thing that gives you a competitive advantage that, that I look for if I'm buying a company. I want to know that they learn software and they're used to using it an ipad or at least some type of cellular device of some sort to be able to keep track of things
1: yeah Um, i have to mention here you know our company is called thrive and we also develop a we call it a client experience platform but very similar as you're saying sort of crms you know cxm it's a way for a small business to capture all their customer data in one place so i've got a robust database and then all my customer interactions from the minute they book the first appointment all the emails I interact with them or texts to the final estimates and invoices and even the request for referral, it's all captured in one place. And so I've, I know who my customers are. I know all the interactions and I've got a process, as you said, embedded in the software uh, for how we're supposed to deal with people.
0: Yeah, it's exactly it. And, and the difference is, is, is when I look at any business, I could tell you, especially home service, because that's my kind of forte. And I've coached a lot of companies as I look at, four main things right away. I look at what's your conversion rate when you're face-to-face with a customer? What's your average ticket? I look at uh, what's your booking rate. So I want to know when they call in what's the booking rate or or it's a form fill of some sort. And then I want to know what does it cost you to acquire a customer? When I know those four KPIs, I could really dive in and find out how to make you a lot more money because so many people think i need more leads i need more leads i need to uh, how do i get more people and i'm like well what if we double your ticket increase your conversion rate and increase your your booking call by 20 percent? and then i'm able to get leads cheaper for you as well i could quadruple your business a lot of people think that i need more leads another thing is how do you keep them coming back faster mm. now that's the thing is people don't understand that is there's really only three ways to make money. You get new customers, you charge your current customers more money, or you keep your customers coming back more often with service agreements. So I'm a big fan of just the data will lead you to the right answer. And that's when software comes in.
1: Right. Yeah. So I know in, in, in reading about you know previous things you've done or talked about, you, you, you talk a lot about marketing, customer service technology, not just fixing doors. In fact, it seems like you talk about fixing garage doors less than the other stuff. How did that come to you where you, where you sort of realized these were the, the key aspects of, of running a small business? Was it through the mistakes that you made early on that you sort of came to these insights?
0: Well, yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of mistakes. Uh, I've left. I've made more mistakes. I got to tell you, I run towards mistakes. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with rejection. I really am. I'm, I'm okay with no. Now I'm just no is a barrier that I, I'm able to get over. But, uh, It seems like I tell people now we're a recruiting company who loves software and is involved with sales on a daily basis that happens to do garage doors, because the biggest problem of everything is that I've been hearing every day right now is how do I get great people? And even when even when leads are scarce uh, right now, everybody's got more leads than they could handle. I mean, almost everybody on everything. There's a scarcity going on with supply chain and people Um, I still say get better people because better people they know how to drum up business they are smiling all the time when they're at a restaurant they're handing out their business card uh when they're getting a haircut they're handing out their business card and they're able to recruit for you they're able to get more business for you they're able to get more yelp reviews for you they're able to get more google reviews and next door and facebook so top grading and getting amazing people and creating the culture is like everything in a business
1: so really logical but how do you get great people i'm sure every small business person who's ever hired anybody wants a great person sounds easy but we know it's not uh, especially nowadays i mean we're we're you know before the pandemic we were in an almost a full employment economy it seems like things are getting hot again and as you said it's hard to find good people so how do you get good people
0: so this is a great question that i get on a daily basis is is i think the first thing is identify the a players in the company and incentivize them to go find their friends and family hmm. uh, and, and have them open their eyes. I'm at a good restaurant. Like I said, as if there's a bus boy, I don't give them a garage door, a card to say, hey, let me fix your garage door. I'm giving them a card saying, you call me up. If you want a career, you come into my office, I'm going to teach you a new career. You can go anywhere in the world with, and I'm telling you, you can make amazing money. We're going to set you up for success. We're going to give you insurance. We play a lot of video games. <laughs> we have a lot of fun. We'll take you out to soccer games and baseball games and football games. But let's let's give you an opportunity. Just If you don't even want to, come check it out. Maybe you know somebody. And when you're getting a haircut and when you're at a, a swap meet and when you're at a game and then identify the people that you know, there's a thing called BNI. It's an old school business network international. And there's, there's a carpet guy and there's a plumber and there's maybe a hairstylist and a massage and, and a retirement guy and a, a, a realtor. And there's always you go to these things and you just say, listen, forget about getting work, focus on employees Say, listen, I'm looking for a people that want to win. I'm looking for competitive people that want to win and that they really want to look for a career because all those people are one man armies. They're one man networkers and they'll always think of you. If that's the one thing you want, they all want the florist wants more flowers sold. The realtor wants more houses sold. But if you're the one person they're saying, I'll do garage door, yeah, I'll fix your garage door, but more importantly, if you know anybody, if you meet anybody that's awesome, I've Mm. always got a spot for them. If you find an awesome person, I don't care. I'm never not hiring because the person will pay for himself. In fact, my amazing assistant just now, she's hiring an assistant for her because we're so busy. And I've got so many things going on. And I said, you know, everybody looks at me like I'm crazy my management. And I said, look, right now we, we have, She's managing 20 some odd apartments for all the technicians when they fly in. Well, there's a lot of times they're not being used. If I just get the money from Airbnb, that'll be about 20 grand a month. And that pays for five of these assistants. So I said, I got to be able to condone the expense, but also it'll help me. It'll free up 15 hours a week for me. Hmm. So, so, you know, it, but always be hiring That's first and then put it all out there. Like, don't just think putting an ad on Craigslist and Indeed is going to find great people? They're like, well, I put an ad out. A lot of people spend 20, 30, 50, 100 grand. I spent 250 grand just on pay-per-click on Google last month. Mm. But they say, look, I'm only willing to put a $35 ad on Craigslist to find an amazing person. So you're spending a fortune to get new customers, but you're spending, what, pennies to find Mm. a great employee? Mm. And, And the crazy thing is, and I'll just finish with this, is People think, hey, it's a CSR, right? They answer your phones, whatever. You take you take a 60%, call it 60% CSR and a, and a 90%, okay? That's a booking rate. Those are of opportunities. They So you got one booking at 60%, one at 90. They each take 20 opportunities a day, $500 ticket average. They work 300 days out of the year. That CSR, but 90% will make $900,000 more for you. Hmm. One person. At sixty versus ninety, is an extra nine hundred grand. Yeah, that's the thing that people don't understand. Jack Welch had it figured out at General Electric. He top graded all the time, hmm. and it doesn't mean. But but coaching is a big deal too. But I can just tell you that that literally right now you're going to hear this from everybody. I just need to get more good people. Why mm-hmm. would I want to work for you? Right. What do you do for your employees? How's the culture? When people come in here, they go, dude. I want to work here. Hmm. This place looks fun. Like you guys, everyone's happy here. What are you feeding them? And I'm like, well, you know, we have lunch all the time that's catered and we do a lot of fun stuff here. That's what it's about.
1: It sounds like when you talk about finding good people, you're not looking for a specific skill set. Like I don't have to have expertise at garage doors to work at your company, but you are looking for people with certain attitudes, certain, you know, outlook. Is it, do I have that right? I, I, how do you know that when you see it, if it's not a specific skill?
0: You know, it, it's really, I like to train people. I'd rather be able to make my own people. If you got mm. the right canvas, which is the attitude, we do a thing called um, Spark Hire, where they, they'll interview through a platform where we don't have to necessarily go through an hour long interview. We just look at the first couple of minutes and see, is this person well-spoken and do they have the right smile and attitude for the company? It's more of a uh, culture fit in the beginning. And then their ability to learn. So we use the predictive index to find out, are they, like I'm more of a high DI, um, that's, a, that, that's, that's a different behavioral test This called DISC, but we use predictive index. So we do all these things to kind of give us an advantage over anybody. And then we do a lot of ride alongs. And, and the main thing is, is we will hire people with experience, but we prefer not. Attitude is everything.
1: What's your recommendation for kids coming up who want to be successful entrepreneurs or go into, you know, an entrepreneurial field? What should they do from a schooling perspective?
0: I'd say get good experience as an intern before I decide on where I'm going to go to school. Maybe take a year to learn learn about internet marketing and software and decide that's what I want to do. And, and maybe even come and work for a blue collar industry like a plumber, just do a small one month stint because there's still a lot of money because- the more people that don't want to do plumbing sounds like you're unclogging toilets, but there's way more to it. The blue collar industries are are very, there's a scarcity happening. So the wages are raising big time for those. And I don't think a robot or artificial intelligence is going to be taking over that stuff anytime soon. So I would try to get your feet wet and an internship and do what, do what you enjoy. Any degree is good because it proves that you could finish something. But I think a lot of people get done and they're like, This degree doesn't mean anything really. I don't know if I wasted my time and now I'm 60 or 100 or $200,000 in debt. I'm not saying don't go to school. I went to school for my master's knowing I wasn't going to use it to get a job. I just wanted to do it to say I have it and to see what I learned. And more importantly, what I learned in my master's degree was how to connect with the right people. I learned the teachers that had influence that they could introduce me to people. I learned the students that knew about SEO. And I learned, I sat at the right table. I learned all about what pay-per-click and Google My Business and all these different things were. And I think it's the ability to network that most people don't learn, especially in this day and age of social media all day long. So learn how to network the old-fashioned shaking hands and smiling and finding out more about people, how to win friends and influence people. That's what's missing, I think. More in today's life is get get your kids involved in social out there, like whatever collaborative things. Take their phone and their iPad away, and have them out there meeting people. Because if that's the case, if you have those skills, it's it's a, it's not common now to have those skills.
1: No, it isn't. And you mentioned that to me the other day when we were talking before this uh, before this podcast, and that really impresses me how much you. I think you said you know your biggest asset is just speaking to people all the time all the time making connections finding out about people and that is not something that most people i think are so attuned to anymore especially with as you said computers and zoom and social media we're being taken away from that right
0: oh it's all the time and the deal is is if you find something i was just uh, i had brian biro on and he wrote um beyond success and about 14 other books yesterday and he just was talking about when when he was working at a really, really large, large, large company, he said there was so siloed but when he'd go in the office and sit down with the head of that branch or whatever it was, he learned to find out what do they have in common? Like this guy was a long distance, uh, bicyclist and, and he was training at the time for, for triathlons and, and they had so much in common and he was able to connect with them. And then all of a sudden likability, Robert Shadini talks about it in influence. Likeability is a huge deal. And when you get somebody to like you and they're enthusiastic about talking to you and they want to try harder for you and there's passion and there's excitement and you're putting in the time. You know, he talked a lot about um, ESPN, give energy, surprise people with compliments, be present in the conversation and do it right away. Don't wait. Don't say I'm doing it next month. And it was really, really powerful to hear just somebody just so enthusiastic. And he helped me learn yesterday that I identified that I'm so excited to give meetings. And I'm like, guys, wake up, let's do this. Let's be, you guys are gonna hit all your goals. You know, think about this. You could go on your 10 year anniversary. You could surprise her with a trip to Hawaii or him with a trip to Hawaii. And you you could finally go on that hunting trip and you could finally buy that truck you've always wanted or take your kids to, uh, you always wanted to go to France and make it about them. You see, a lot of us make it about the business. We say, look, if you hit your goals and you sell this much product and you do this and you do that, well, why do they care about that? Make mm-hmm. it about their goals mm-hmm. and help them hit their goals. Well, be excited about it. Yeah. Watch what happens to your business when you're actually like, like really into it. And people are like, Whoa, this is kind of cool to work here. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's great stuff. Uh, Tommy, Why did you decide to write your book and start your podcast and tell other entrepreneurs your story? I mean, you could have just kept running your business and made a lot of money and kept things going. And, you know, you didn't have to tell all these people about it. Why did you,
0: you know, I felt like I had to write a book because (laughs) at the time I had made so many mistakes and I'm like, you know, someone once told me, if you're not a reader, you're not a leader. And they said, why wouldn't you read somebody's book of their whole life's failures? And to try to curb your destiny, basically, in your favor, to say, to skip some of those things, like, you know, my mama is, mom and dad would look both ways before you cross the street. I don't want to get hit by cars. Um, and that's basically what happens in business. We get hit by cars and we got to get back up. But, and we're not dead, but a lot of it, you know, some of us go bankrupt because of these mistakes. So mm-hmm. I got done writing it and I had a buddy of mine read it. And he said, it's good, but it needs more. So I got 12 co-authors. And and that really spiced it up and put the the mirror the, the touches that I need. So we learned in the book how a guy sold fifteen thousand service agreements. Uh, we learned in a book in the book um, Darius Darius Levers talks about how to sell financing. L.E.V. talks about an org chart and manuals. Alan Rohr talks about the financials and the financial quick check each week to know the balance sheet and the income statement. We learned about a CRM from Ara, the CEO of Service Titan. It really spiced up the book in a way that gives so much knowledge. I mean, 12 co-authors. And then and then the podcast was just, I really, I guess, selfishly in the back, looking back on it, I wanted to get these people that I probably couldn't get otherwise to learn about their business and them. And people are living vicariously mm-hmm. through me and the podcast going, dude, that one. And I get these messages like daily, like all day, every day. I get cards in the mail. I get gifts. And they're like, you literally made me a better father. I'm spending more time with my kids than ever before because my business runs itself. And these things that I get are, I can't explain how I feel, but it's better than anything I've ever felt before. It's like, I was able to touch somebody or the person on the podcast was really, and we were able to share that. So, I mean, this guy this morning was like, dude, you don't even understand. Like, I, can I take you out to dinner? He lives in Scottsdale and I'm in Phoenix. So, and I'm like, yeah, we well, could go out to dinner and I'd love to hear about your business, but what I find is, and I use this uh, all the time, I take a boomerang out when I'm training, when I do an orientation and I say, the podcast and the book were like a boomerang because it comes back tenfold. It comes back mm-hmm. to me 10 times harder. And it really is, this, It's. It's. I can't explain it, but what, I'm addicted to it of helping other people because once you start, it's like philanthropy, it's, it's hard to stop because it it puts a smile on your face and it means so much to people and you're really influencing lives to make them better. So I I can't tell you until you feel it and and everybody's felt it in some way, but the more I give, the more I want to give.
1: That's great stuff. Uh, Tommy, we're going to go to a quick commercial uh, on that note, and uh, we're going to be right back with more from Tommy Mello. This episode episode of Winning winning on Main Street Street is brought to you by Thrive, Thrive. the The end-to-end client experience experience platform platform that includes everything everything small business business owners need to to meet their customers' customers expectations. expectations.
0: Thrives thrives a winning winning fully, fully mobile mobile interface, interface. delivers delivers knowledge knowledge easily, easily reserve for reserve for big for business. big business to the,
1: the finger tip tip small small business owners nationwide. owners nationwide thrives thrives built built specifically, specifically for small business. small business
0: but there's nothing nothing small, small about what it can do, it can do. thrive thrives handles, handles entire your entire customer customer experience, experience. helping, business, helping business, business owners reach more customers, customers stay organized, organized get paid paid faster
1: and generate online reviews
0: all from a single device device or screen to learn to more, learn about, more Thrive, about Thrive, Thrive visit winningonmainstreet.com winning winning mainstreet click on get a, get a Demo. When it comes, when it to, comes software, to software to run your to run business, business, there's, no, there's comparison. no comparison. Check out Check Thrive, Thrive, out Thrive today. today.
1: We're back with Tommy Mello. And Tommy was just telling us about why he's so excited about giving to other people, which is a really great message and how much he gets out of that. Were you a born entrepreneur? Do you think this was something that you just always had naturally, or is it something more you sort of learned from your parents? You talked about some of the learnings you had from your parents.
0: You know, there's a great question that um, it's. I it, it took a lot of psychology in college, and, and it's called nature versus nurture. Is mm-hmm. uh, nature is were you given these things? Is it just in your in your blood, or was it the the parenting? And and I, I tend to think it was a lot of the parenting It was it was so much psychology that goes into it. When I was five years old, I went to a garage sale and I tell the story. Quite a bit. And um, I saw the CB radio. It was probably 15 years old. And and it had batteries and a little plug and it had this long antenna and it was just this little microphone. And, and, you know, my dad said, all right, time to get going. So I put the mic back on there and I took the antenna, put it down, snapped it back in and kind of walked back to the car kind of slow. And my dad goes, you really wanted that. Didn't you? And I go, well, yeah. And he goes, well. He goes, here's five dollars. Go get it. And I said, okay. Well, I need fifteen more dollars. It's twenty. And he goes, no, you don't. He goes, go tell the lady you'll give her five dollars for it. And I said, Dad, I can't. I can't do that. I said, mm-hmm. she wants twenty dollars. It was with Scotch tape, a little twenty dollars sign. And he goes, Tommy, I want you to look at me when you go up to her and ask her politely. And man, I. I was like, this is the toughest thing. I'm walking real slow. And I'm like, I look back at him and he's waving at me. And I'm like, just, I mean, this is the longest walk of my life. And finally I get up there and I say, ma'am, she said, yes, how could I help you? I said, see that CB radio. She saw me looking at it before. And she says, yeah, how how could I help you with that? I go, you know, was there any chance you would take $5 for that? And she literally picks it up she takes the $5, she picks it up and she gets done on one knee and hands it to me. And my dad's waving at her. And it was, and I came back, like, it was the coolest feeling, you know, just like, man, my first negotiation, my dad was so proud. And, and it really took a lot of like, like guts to do it. But that was the first time. So that was more of the mentoring mm-hmm. of how to become a deal maker. And I, I got to tell you, there's a lot of instances in my life where stuff like that happens. So I I do think it's a lot of Putting yourself in those uncomfortable spots, not being afraid of your internal objections, not being afraid of rejection. Uh, there's a good book called "Go for No," and he talks about um, when he was selling. He meets his himself at a different time. And he bumps his head, and it was like a fairy godmother story. But hmm. and he's he they talk. They're golfing together. the 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 same person, and he goes, "Why are you so wealthy?" Like what, what happened? And he goes, do you remember when we were selling men's clothing? He goes, remember when we set a record, we sold $1,200 to that gentleman. He bought the belts. He bought the shoes. He bought the nice shirt. And he goes, yeah, I remember that. Like yesterday, the manager was really proud. We set a record. He goes, but do you remember what else the manager said? He said, when did, when did the gentleman say no? His little life lessons, these books, these little, I'll tell you what it's all around me. I mean, you can see the books and the audibles on my phone. I'm almost up to a thousand. They're not all read yet, but it's, I'm obsessed with it because I learned these lessons. You know, we talked yesterday about the 212 degrees, that one degree from 211 to 212 is a boiling that, that one degree, that little thing causes a locomotive to run. It causes all these things to run. And, And it's hard to believe, but just this one small degree of change in everything you do could completely change the destination of your life. And these little things mean a lot to me. And that's why I'm, I'm always, I'm a forever student, right? Yeah. I'm always looking for the next opportunity to learn something.
1: Tommy, tell us a little bit about your personal habits. You know, I, I'm always interested in successful people, whatever kind of person, you know, successful people seem to have habits. They have routines, you know, they get up early or they work late or they work out or they, you know, they have routines. What's your routine?
0: So what I've learned is, for me is to hire out my weaknesses. And, and that means getting an assistant that really complements my weaknesses. So she's very good at time management and organization. So for me, I'm able to delegate things very, very well to her. So th- there's not, a, it's not uncommon for me to send her 12 to 15 text messages or quick emails to put something on my calendar. So the first thing for me is everything's got to be in my calendar. It's got to be carved out, whether that's calling my mom, whether that's, Make it time for my dog to go home and let him out. Everything's got to make it to the calendar. My whole calendar is lit up with sometimes little minutia things, 10 minutes for this. I mean, there are times that I have to put read a book on my calendar if, if you were to look at it. There's plenty of times on here. And I'll say I need four hours for this next week because it's got a priority. And I'll try to get the biggest things out of the calendar first that I know a lot of people push off. I try to make sure that unless I love doing something like I don't necessarily love mowing the lawn at the hourly rate I make, I'm going to hire, actually I'm getting ready to move into a new house and I'm hiring someone to come in and cook for for two hours a day. And it's Mm. not that expensive. And actually I figured out, it's going to save me a lot of money, but I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to have fresh squeezed juice. I'm going to literally have everything I want. So I think what I've learned to do is is really understand the time value of, of money. Mm-hmm. i be, be able to create a lot more time for the things I love to do. Mm-hmm. And I say, that's the probably strongest strength I have right now is being able to really understand money and, and saying, I'm put up myself in a situation. I have a trainer that's coming today at five 30. Mm-hmm. He's showing up to me
1: mm.
0: now try to get out of that one. <laughs> you know, it, it's easy to get out of it, going to the gym. So I also put myself in situations where I can't give myself an excuse. Mm. So, so I know, cause I, I know I could lie to myself. There's, there's the, the evil, and there's the angel. And sometimes Mm -hmm. this guy takes over. So I got to leave myself with no other opportunity, but success. And I put myself into a corner all the time, because I know sometimes I could be weak. You know, I'm not like Jocko with uh, the ultimate leader or whatever, you know, it's sometimes he's got so much discipline and to make your bed and do all this stuff. And I'm like, "Eh, I'll have somebody else make my bed. And I'll just do the things that I love. Um, Not that I'm lazy to do it, but I just find, I just find that I I, I'm happier if I do the things that I really, really enjoy and making my bet is not one of the top things on my list.
1: Last question. I think we're, we're kind of out of time. And I I really do appreciate your time given how busy you are, especially, how do you define success and do you feel successful?
0: Success to me is, is what, what, what really makes you happy. And I don't think it's about money or it's necessarily about time. I think that you got to look at your values and, um, what I've always said to me is success to me was I want to do what I want to do whenever I want to do it with whoever the hell I want. Well, that means ultimately if I want to take you and a few other people, maybe employees, maybe friends to Alaska tonight, I've got the resources to be able to do it. That means anytime with whoever I want, anything I want. And that, that to me is, I feel like I've, I'm not quite like going to take a private jet there. I'm not there yet, but uh, <laughs> But that's to me what I think success is. And I think the biggest thing I could tell you that a lot of people need to do is they should take the opportunity to find a company that they want to become in a similar like industry and get as far away from their hometown as possible. And don't bring a lot of distractions. If you could, don't bring your kids. You know, it's not a vacation. It's to bring in a bunch of notes that questions you have and to engulf yourself. Treat the Kool-Aid from another company. Define your vision. I think a vision is so important. It's usually a dream that becomes a vision and then it needs to become marching orders on a timeline from day one. What I need to think about today to get this line to, to be there because most people, it's always, it's always stays a dream. I did it on my whiteboard. I put, how do I get to a billion dollars? And I said, okay, the average guy does 500,000. I need 2000 technicians. How could I take 2000 technicians over four years? Then I broke it down by quarter. Then I break it down by month Then by week, then by day. And I had exactly the formula of who I need to hire, what I needed to do to get to a billion in four years.
1: Well, like you said, if if you just have a dream and you don't put it down on paper, you don't write it down, and you don't have the the uh, concrete steps in mind, then it just stays a dream. But if you do that, you can move one by one towards making it a reality. Obviously, you've done so.
0: You know, just have fun. Like some people, I got to tell you, I feel I feel bad because I know there's things out there, like literally, especially with this this pandemic there are people that have chemical issues that literally feel certain ways that they can't get out of a lot of that maybe and i don't know is exercising fresh air and eating healthy maybe could help but you know depression is a real thing but i'm very fortunate because i'm happy and i don't deal with a lot of those things there there are times i'm sad you know the other day my dad had a close call he's post-covid and just it, it taught me a lesson of just take advantage of the time when he's here but but I'm very fortunate in a way that, that life is really what you make of it. I don't have any of those chemical issues in my life and, and I'm fortunate for it. And and really put myself around the right people is, you know, they always say this and you probably heard this is take your five closest people in your life, add up their incomes and divide it by five. And that's probably within 10% of yours. It exists for over 90% of, of Americans. So surround yourself with the people you want to become. If you want to become a better dad or a better husband, make sure you're hanging out with good dads and good husbands. If you want to make make sure you're, If you wanna read more books, hang around with people that read books. It doesn't just apply with money.
1: Great lessons. Well, Tommy, I wanna thank you for your time today. This has just been awesome. Continued success to you.
0: Hey, thank you very much. Appreciate being on here.
1: So we've been with Tommy Mello. He's the owner and operator of A1 Garage Door Service and the host of the Home Service Expert podcast and many other businesses he's involved with. This has been great. And I wanna thank you for joining us. If you like today's podcast, please give us a five-star review tell a friend or colleague to subscribe. Until next time, make it a great week.